This is for the nerds, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve. Go ahead and play it back, you ain't gonna touch me, you not gonna do nothing, you are not above me, I bet you wish you was me, I know it, I know What is poppin' everybody, and welcome back to another special episode of the Only Friends Podcast. Well, you know, I'm here with Tortilla! Everybody throw your Moroccos up in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have Moroccos in there? What are these things? Moroccos. Oh, they are called Moroccos. I said Moroccos, right? Yeah. Moroccos. Is that a country? Morocco is a... Uh, Morocco is a country, yes. yes. Huh. They are almost uh, won the World Cup. Oh, yeah. Almost. That's yeah. right. That's right. I have two questions. One, do we even have a Morocco, Morocco <laughs> emoji in the, in the chat? No. And two, you literally ran to the other side of the room before that was the a, intro. That, that's, I was this, actually this, impressive. Is, this is not a question. This is a statement. That's number one. I was finishing my question. You didn't have a question here. Oh, I did. What was it? You ran across the room to get the Morocco? Well, that's just plain out stupid since you see me grab the Morocco and run back. <laughs> Today is the most unhinged day of the podcast. I think. <laughs> Perfect. That's yeah. how we like it. Let's yeah, do it. What is popping, Berkey? What you doing out there in LA? Wait, uh, I don't, what, what is going on with you guys, man? <laughs> what, I, I leave for 10 minutes and the whole thing just falls apart. You're tw- three seconds away from the intro, running and grabbing what I can only assume you believe to be a wind instrument. It's, to do your tortua bit. <laughs> it is a fiddle. It's true. Fiddles are... You know what? I'm not even. I'm not even. We have better things to talk about today and uh, every day thereafter. As a matter of fact, I think today is the day that we cancel Conrad from the show. All right. Uh, See you guys later, been Conrad. A good run. Yep. It's been a good run. You've been a great hype guy. It's but been fun. The Tortuga bit has run its course, and uh, until you come up with a new one, you're just on timeout. So go ahead and mute his mic, Guapo. We're going right. to talk about strategy today, so he doesn't have any <laughs> Oh, don't worry. My mic's muted then. Don't worry. He'll, uh, he'll break in with a little bit of laugh every now and again when we're talking about uh, the, the, the Lennies and the, and the tight tads that are uh, out here in the live streets trying to bluff and bluff catch. Uh, but before we get to all that, there's a. I want to give a couple updates uh, with regards to what we were talking about. Was it yeah, two days ago? When was the last time I was on the podcast? Monday? Two days ago. Yeah, two days ago. Um, we had received some intel from Mr. Darkside himself that solvers were being used in a live game. And we spoke about it a little bit. Uh, huge shout out to the poker boss, Sean McCormick. Mm-hmm. He took to Twitter and he said... Uh, regarding solvers or any other apps being used to assist players, they are 100% not permitted at MGM Resorts International properties. Um, please bring to the attention of management. We will address. We'll make sure this info is then retrained and disseminated to all staff. So it looks like it's being handled, which is all that we could really ask for, to be quite honest. Uh, always appreciate Sean jumping on it. He also said, uh, me and my limited filter will be happy to jump on the podcast someday. Would love to have them, of course. Yeah, the main um, takeaway from that tweet is uh, amazing. Another amazing OnlyFriends pod. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're out here keeping the streets safe, man. Yeah, we got um, it. But I, I got 
this screenshot from uh, JPP Poker or JP Poker, uh, who I think is taking to the vlogging streets these days. And he was playing a little 510 at Bellagio yesterday. And we got another over the shoulder shot of a man looking at GTO Wizard. Now, in this situation, so this is where I think the conversation should uh, end, probably for us. Agreed. Uh, in this situation, this guy's not in the hand. And, you know, I was kind of talking to Jamin about it this morning, and he was like, this is such a bad look. You know, it's so bad for the game, yada, yada, yada. It's like, look, man, I understand all the old pros who grew up in the boom who think that we need to keep industry secrets hush hush and that, you know, recreationals are the dumbest people alive. And, you know, in order to facilitate a gambling environment, we can't possibly let them know that people play poker seriously. Um, but that's just not the case anymore. Like, recreationals subscribe to GTO Wizard. Probably a lot of them, actually, because GTO Wizard is a very big company and it's very widespread. So, uh, you know, th this is harmless. This is like when Snapshot came out and people would look at their jamming ranges in between hands. Who gives a shit? Um, you know, looking something up is not the same as inherently knowing it or more importantly, understanding uh, the root reason for why hands are playing the way that they play. Uh, don't get me wrong, like, of course, this is going to advance the game and people are going to get better, but that's just the nature of the beast anyway. That's already happening. Um, and I think that, yeah, yeah, I, I don't know, man. Like, I've been in the live realm my entire career and uh, I've seen it evolve. I, I understand that it's not the same game as it was 10 years ago. And I think there are a lot of live players who are still clinging to that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's the it's the live players that I actually like look to in some regard as guys who know how to cultivate a, a gambling environment, guys who really understand how to play up the role of being a uh, an action reg and things like that. So there's a lot that this collective that I'm speaking about does incredibly well. And uh, I don't think that they, that should be overlooked. Like it is really important to create a social environment where people are happy to splash around and lose some money but i think what comes with uh having your eye on the prize when it comes to uh curating an environment is you overlook some things that just can't be helped and like these charts are here to stay these lookup databases are here to stay we all have a computer in our fingertips uh with our phones so like what people do out of the hand to me is completely irrelevant and like sure if a shit reg gets caught looking at you know, GTO wizard in between hands, he should be made fun of a little bit. Mm -hmm. I think that's completely reasonable. It's not a good look. You know, it's not something you want your neighbors to necessarily know that you're doing, but it's silly this day and age to pretend like you're actually playing 510 or higher and don't know what equilibrium even means. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, the reason why it's such a big deal, at least in the live environment, is optically, it just looks pretty bad. Because when you shift it to online, this has been commonplace for years and isn't going to go away when it comes to people looking at charts, uh, either after they make a decision, or in some cases, even mid-hand. But there's that secret of behind closed doors, because you're playing in a protected environment by yourself. But live, when you can see other people can see it, and kind of removes the... Uh, sneakiness of it, if you will. Mm -hmm. It's not like it's going right. to disappear, but at the same time, kind of making 
some sort of statement be known at the table seems like a very reasonable thing. Shame. I think we should shame them. Yes. Yes. Treat it like um, treat it like you would if you saw somebody like angling or something like. I mean, I'm not. I mean, it's not. I'm not saying it is an angle, but it's kind of. Like I don't want to blow it out of proportion either. No, I don't want to blow like, it out of proportion. But yeah, yeah, just kind of maybe like you know, like you know, you just make fun of them, and then and then they're like, well, maybe I don't want to pull my chart out in here and have to deal with half the table, you know, coming down on me. What do you I think the big that, downside? Is? I don't know if that's a uh, a permanent solution, but <laughs> what'd you uh, say, Burke? What do you think the big downside is of like calling like them out? Uh, yeah, like pulling we're up talking, detail. We're, we're specifically hands. talking in between hands, right, Burke? Yeah, of course. Yeah, um, I the, the the main downside I think is turning off um, people that don't play professional. Well, even it, maybe people that anybody that's not doing it, turning them off to the game. I think that's that's the. Um, I mean, it's funny because like the biggest how many, downside. How many people that aren't doing it are going to even notice what you're doing? Like, I'd say maybe. 20, 30%. Like, yeah, it's not like everyone's just like looking at everyone's phone, like when they're on their phone, like like looking over and like, hey, what's that person doing? Is he is he texting somebody or is he looking up a, a you know, solve? Well, yeah. see, I see arguments for both sides because bringing it up and kind of making it known that this is available can be a turnoff. Mm -hmm. But also at the same time, if people don't know what's going on and you don't bring it up, it's one of those things where the people that are in-house know what's happening and if you're in-house and you know what's happening, it's not like it can be stopped, yeah. at least in that regard. It's different if there's rulings that say you can't use software at the table. Someone pulls out software and then you try to police it. But at the same time, policing it becomes a very tough situation because some people are going to get caught. Some people have screen protectors on their phone. Some people yeah. are smarter about doing it. So I mean, the threat... I I think the threat of, of being caught and being punished uh, can go a long way. But we're right? talking like, about in-between well, hands. Guys, you guys are convoluting the argument. You're talking yeah. about in-hand versus out-of-hand. Yeah, we're talking about in-between yeah. hands here. Right. Um, well, I mean, you could just make a rule that you're just not allowed. Like, well, you're at the table. You're not allowed to use that kind of software. Why? But That's like, what you're, 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 what's, what's the downside in-between hands? There is no downside, honestly. Like, it's just personal upside for the person that's doing it. I don't think there's any downside for I mean, to do stuff like this in yeah. between hands, honestly. I kind of had a different take in um, um, when we previously talked about this like a few months ago. But after like, I play a lot of MTTs and it's like, like you, you don't get anything really out of it. Like you just under, get a little understanding, a better understanding of your spot maybe next time. But like, mm -hmm. it's just like live. I don't know. It's, I, I mean, think it's, I think I, I think that that's the big biggest part to take away from here is that uh the people who are looking this stuff up aren't the dangerous players at the table like landon yeah. doesn't need to look up a spot right but that's right, also right. not true because landon is looking up spots when he's well, and he's like yeah, he's because, halfway on shore right because he's curious and everything else but like yeah. if no one at the table knew landon was good do you think he would be foolish enough to like look up a spot yeah absolutely found without okay, anybody knowing like without no, like he's with, just on his phone it's like bro, Two days in a row, there's been a picture taken of somebody doing this. You're not getting away with it. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't happen without people noting. You're playing eight and nine handed. People are gonna see. Yeah. So yeah, that's I, my like, point. I, like, I would have, I would have zero intention of ever pulling up like a solve while I'm playing. That, or like, 
at, at the table. Like just Well, I guess my point is it signals somebody's weak, not strong. Like, I think it means that they are just unsure of themselves. Uh, very unsure. Yeah, right. very unsure yeah. of themselves mm-hmm. and need need confirmation. Yeah, that that's that's a very good point. Um, yeah, it's just like Landon. It's funny because uh, before the podcast, Guapa and I were talking about a few hands. And then we were just like, you know, we, we were like looking at uh, some some pre preflop charts and and uh, it was like, oh, yeah, Landon said this. And Landon said like Landon just knows these like he inherently knows all the all the preflop stuff pretty 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 clearly so it's like yeah he he doesn't need to do that yeah i mean i I, don't i I mean i'll I'll speak for myself here like i definitely look up stuff after playing hands or after looking at like a post flop spot or situations like that but prior to a hand happening i'm not necessarily looking for like my next rfi from cutoff rfi is race first right yeah so when it comes to all of that stuff, I'm sort of looking, not even like in the necessary to double check, but sort of the curiosity as to seeing if like the ideas I had in the first place were correct, which they normally are. But at the same time, it's not like the amount of EV gained in that situation is going to be so great. And it generally comes from a sense of curiosity because I know a lot of other very good, like elite high stakes players mm-hmm. who also look up stuff after hands are done, but never do it during a hand. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I, there's a big difference between during and after. And I think a lot of people that are actually good at poker look up stuff after hands. It, yeah, it, I guess it, it is kind of like along the lines of, of someone who uh, bum hunts or, or, or moves seats or, you know, tries to get position on the fish. Like they need to do that because they can't win otherwise. Whereas, or, or they, you know, they would, they win, would win much more, I guess. But um, yeah, but but those things that you're describing are predatory. I don't yeah. think that this is. I, I think this has been happening since the first hand of poker yeah. was ever dealt. It's just happening at a more accurate level now. It used to where, happen in text message, or people would just coach other people after the hand. Yeah, be like, oh, you know that hand's supposed to fold, or you know that hand is supposed to call, or what are you doing? Help me, does this every time he sits at a table? <laughs> I shove all in for 150 big blinds, and these two idiots call me with ace king. It's like you know the the idea of like somebody coaching the table, right, or informing the table of what the quote unquote correct play is has been happening since you know hand one. Yeah, and it's never been more than an eye roll thing. It, the like, only difference now, when it comes to these tools and softwares, is that it becomes automated for the individual. There's a difference between back in the day when someone had a software and didn't have quote unquote remote PC or whatever. Mm-hmm. They would talk to a friend and ask for a chart, and a couple hands later, or whenever their friend got around to it, they'd send them a picture of the chart. Right. So all of these things still exist. It's just a matter of the speed in which you get the information. Right. Yeah, and the accuracy as well. Um, but you know, to that to that end, I still don't think that out of the hand is something we want to be policing. It's way way too big of an ask uh, for card rooms, and you just don't gain that much. Yeah, like no, this notion that you're going to scare away the weakest players, it's just not true. Mm-hmm. If you're in a one three game and somebody's looking up charts who cares you're you're playing one three like there just aren't going to be people who are so intimidated that they're going to leave and if if they are that way then they were likely very intimidated just by the sheer casino environment to begin with yeah and so i like, think look, it, I under, good uh, I, I was just gonna say i maybe in in time this won't be true but i would think now um anything under 510 it's going to be probably pretty rare to actually see somebody be doing this like, we, we, right. we, 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 we've seen we start- it, we've seen it and it's always been like 510 plus 
Right. Yeah. When you start talking about 510 plus, the weakest players in those games aren't there because they're afraid of losing money. Right. Right. The the weakest players in those games are there for recreation and want to gamble. So Exactly. They the know notion, they're going to be up against good players. Yeah, the notion that they're against a pro who might know a lot more than them isn't intimidating. It's yeah. what they're there for. Right. Yeah, that's pretty yeah, fair. So, good. Uh, no, 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 I think you're right. Like when it comes to playing high stakes poker and I would consider playing 5 10 live plus is high stakes poker. Mm -hmm. People know that when they sit down and they're playing for fun, that they are inherently taking the worst of it. In some regards, mm -hmm. if someone tells you, yeah, I'm a pro and I play here uh, X amount yeah, of times per I think, week. I think all that changes if somebody's doing it in a hand. Right. Yeah. Well, of course. In I hand, now you're actively trying to gain EV when uh, there's still EV and action for you to have. But when mm -hmm. the action's gone and... You're just trying to automate the process for yourself. It's too hard to police. Yeah, it's like... It's well, I, th like I, th I think you made the best point yeah. the other day when you said uh, there would be no difference between being a human and a bot at that point. Right? You're just completely automated to just following whatever the chart says. Right. The beauty of poker is it's my mind versus your mind. And then you just mm -hmm. take that away if someone's just looking at a solve mid-hand. Somebody, sorry, somebody said, isn't MGM's announcement um, indicative that they won't allow it in the room between hands? No. No, Sean okay. clarified that in the in the thread. Okay. Uh, it's, ju you, it's just what, it's just in the hand. Makes sense. Yeah. 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 Yep. And, and I mean, this is going to be tricky to police. Uh, it's going to take some self-reporting. It's going to take some, uh, you know, management amongst the players to ensure that this is overseen. Because uh, dealers aren't that incentivized. You know, you tip yeah. them. So they're not exactly looking to uh, yell at people for using software or being on their phone even in the middle of a hand i'm, I'm kind of curious how big of a problem this really is at the moment as compared to like just nipping it in the butt now it's not it's not that it is a problem i don't think i think it's that it could be a problem yeah and also it's the it's the sentiment that uh nobody wants to play with these people yeah right yeah, like um yeah it's 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 just it's annoying because it's like in a lot of instances, it's not that they're gaining an upper hand, but it's more so that they're minimizing what they would already be losing. Yeah. yeah. I think right now too, the, the rule is, well, I mean, uh, Sean, you know, kind of clarified it, but before that, the, the rule was, I think it was, it was gray. We didn't know there was, I don't think, I think people were just like, Oh, I can do this. Like there's not a, a hard stance rule against it. And once there is, and I think that's widely known, I think the majority of people, who would think about doing it or would want to do it might just not because it's like, okay, this is, you know, this is clearly against the rules. And I want to, you know, most people play by the rules. Mm, it's weird. From... I mean, you're going to have, it's not going to eradicate it, but like, I think, you know, I think, I think once, cause like there's, there's other rules. Um, you know, I can't think of an exact example, but there are other rules where it's just like, this is a rule now. And it's just like, nobody breaks it. Right. Or at least they, most well, this is always this has always been a rule. I don't know if you remember, but maybe five or six years ago, Jason McConnell was at a televised WSOP table with uh, printouts of range charts. Oh, really? Yeah, just open, and they came and policed it. So, yeah. like, I mean, this has always been a thing. You you were never allowed to look at Snapshot during a hand. You were never allowed to have uh, preflop ranges in front of you. Yeah, and uh, it was just a misapplication by the manager at the time. Yeah. It's kind of interesting because like i feel like 
um I don't think I ever do like see people like, you know, looking at opening charts and stuff like that in MTTs or anything like that. Like I don't think I've ever seen anything, well, there's honestly. a big there's there's a pretty hard rule in tournaments uh that you're not allowed to be on your phone I mean, in the middle of the hand. During so that's the hand, during like, the hand. So it's it's like it's not gonna ha like in tournaments the dealers, like, the dealers gonna be like, you can't be on your phone. But like, even looking right. at somebody with thirty big blinds next to me, right, and it's right before they act or something, I'm very nosy. I yeah. always look at people's screens, right. mm -hmm. and like, I never see like a someone like checking, yeah, like what the chart opening is charts the, yeah. or like something like that, right? Um, yeah, I don't know, I've never seen it, but what I have been seeing is the fucking timer running on people's phones. They're trying to get that fucking um, randomization. Just yeah. look down instead of looking. The for guy a was clock. openly doing it the table with the win. He was just like, well, he's like, I. He's like, I'm just going to randomize whether I call you or not here. <laughs> it's the same person, probably. Yeah. <laughs> he just literally has a timer running right. on his phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of whatever, right? Because you can use chip shuffling. You yeah. can use mm -hmm. the fucking... Yeah, no, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, I, I haven't seen much of anything like this in MTTs, really. Yeah. I'm sure it's happening, but... Yeah, yeah it is what it is. I, I mean, this is just the evolution of technology, and we're going to have to live with it. I, I don't mm -hmm. think it's... Uh, it's it's not as big of a deal as we're making it out to be. It's just optically very bad for live poker, in my opinion. Right. And uh, I think it, you know, this is an opportunity to set a precedence and ensure that we don't uh, we don't head down that slippery slope of people just like running real time assistance during a live game at some point in time. <laughs> it's interesting, um, just from like the vantage point of looking at call it something like a chess tournament versus a poker tournament where if you tried to take everybody's phones away at a poker tournament it would just never ever work and it, right. the game would become a lot smaller where in chess that's just a very known thing you just don't get information while you're playing the match it's, but it's, it's a, just it's, never going to be able to be replicable it's an app it's an apples to oranges comparison though it's not it's not a fair one first of all chess tournaments are very small they're mono -y mono and second of all chess is a very dependent game so every single move is dependent upon the last and you could take a bathroom break look on your phone and map out the remaining game based off of the moves that have been made every hand is independent of the last in poker it's completely irrelevant if you get information on the last hand as far as the next hand that you play yeah that's fair and it's more of a social game. Like, taking your phone away, I, I don't think... I know yeah, in I'm definitely theory not that calling would, for taking phones away. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I, I didn't think I you mean, were, I know, Landon. I know in theory that would imply that, like, it would become more social, but I think the opposite would actually happen. Like, we need multiple outlets. We can't just be stuck with the seven people or eight people surrounding us. Imagine like, not being able to watch IG reels uh, while you're at the table. I know. I mean, we kind of find <laughs> so, most of our social topics from our phones anyway when we're at the table. Yes, I agree. I agree. A lot of the talking points come from people just like scrolling Twitter or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, all right. So other things before we get to Strat Chat, which has now been moved to Wednesdays due to our Tuesday rendezvous with the No Gamble, No Future Boys. Um, we are uh, we're sweating the start of Triton today. So Triton kicked off today. Uh, they partnered with GG Poker for this one. Um and have a Super Millions live uh, with one of the bigger fields that Triton's actually kicked off with. So uh, it looks as though this is a record-breaking first event. 25K buy-in, 166 entries, um, which I'm kind of surprised that's a record for them. That's, I mean, you got to think about it. All the other buy-ins that Triton, I feel like they've always, always been like 100K plus and like maybe like a no. 125K, 150K. 
Like I don't no, think no, no. they they always do a bunch of twenty five k's. It's just uh, that's the minimum buy in, and it's it's clearly geared towards the high roller uh, yeah. player pool. Are they doing um, more of them this year? Do you know? I'm not sure. I haven't I haven't looked at the total schedule, but uh, it seems as though the partnership with GG has brought in a lot of satellite winners. Yeah. And was, also, I, really nice I believe ACR, ACR was sending people there as well. Yeah, I'm pretty sure ACR sent at least 10 people to Triton. So. It was yeah, nice to I hear Henry's it, voice. Mr. Kilbane out there again. He's out there crushing, crushing mm-hmm. the uh, commentary streets. Uh, I think if they start to replicate like the Poker Go series, where it's uh, adding some more 10Ks and 25Ks uh, alongside the 100k 250k whatever the main events are that they do mm-hmm. they'll start to it, it's kind of important right because you want to start to cultivate this high roller scene you can't just be stuck with the same 30 guys right. that are vying for three or four recreationals that are willing to pony up you need to have new guy, new blood circulating through you know winning a couple 10ks here and there thinking they can take a shot like jesse lonis is a great example uh if he didn't have the opportunity to play some 10Ks and have some success there. He probably doesn't necessarily dip his toes into the 25K field and the 50K field, et cetera, right? Yeah. I definitely agree um, with that. At the end of day one, which just wrapped up not that long ago, Jonathan Jaffe is leading the tournament with 3.365 million in chips. That's good for 112 big blinds. Jonathan's one of uh, the OGs. Used mm. to be IF Tari online. I've known him since way back in the Turning Stone days. Always a bit of a blaster, so happy to see him at the top of the ranks. I think Patrick Antonius <laughs> is second in chips. Uh, first place will probably be, let's see, 166 people. So that's like... 950. Yeah, I was going to say probably close to... There's about 3 million in the prize pool. 950K for first. Okay, I would have guessed a million. That's good. Um, so yeah, it looks like this is going to be a big series. Uh, it all kicked off, though, with a tribute to former founder, or I guess kicked off to a tribute to founder, uh, Ivan Liao, who passed away last year at the Cypress Stop. Uh, Ali Najad did a very nice tribute to Ivan. Uh, I think we're going to roll the clip for that. Now. I think it is only fitting to uh, talk about the loss, uh, really the, the glaring absence of the energy of, uh, of Ivan Liao, our beloved founding member of the Triton Poker Series. Uh, you know, just such a respected and admired member of the Triton family, clearly not going to be joining us uh, here, having passed away uh, late last year at, at that Cypress stop, which, which cut our, our stop short. But in honor of Ivan and Ivan's passing, we, we do have some announcements, Randy, in terms of uh, our player of the year. Yeah, and um, we have renamed it to the Ivan Lau Player of the Year Award, um, which is very understandable. He was a uh, found, he was friends with the founding, very close to them. Um, he put in his time. I heard that they, whenever they wanted to discuss how can we improve Triton events, you know, Ivan was raising his hand like, mm-hmm. hey, listen, maybe we should do these things. He was playing the events. It was very lively. I think it is only fitting to uh, talk about the very nice of uh very nice tribute there by by Ali and Nanonoku. Um Triton is going to rename their player of the year award as they mentioned uh in honor of Ivan. Uh I had the pleasure of playing with him a couple of times. Really nice down to earth kind of guy, very um soft spoken and you know not boisterous or anything along those lines. Sad to hear him go. It's uh 
it's a tough thing to know that a guy in his early 40s in the gym can just, you know, get on a treadmill and never get off. That's uh that's a very a very humbling thing to see as somebody who like prides himself in health and physical fitness to see somebody who for all, all intent and purposes seem to be incredibly healthy just uh never make it out of that gym so uh good on triton for you know honoring him i'm sure that there's a bit of a heavy feeling there being this is the first event that they've ran since cyprus but uh from all things that we can tell this is going to be a massive event moving forward and his name's always going to be attached to it yeah love it something like basically mike sexton absolutely love yeah. tributes to people that you know put in the time the effort yeah sexton's another great example he was really revolutionary when it came to uh being the voice of the wpt but people don't realize he was he was one of the founders of, of party poker and he mm -hmm. helped he helped get that brand off the ground and also bring the the online sponsorship into the live realm like he was a big part of bridging the gap between party and uh and uh wpt, WPT. yeah in the early goings i, I uh, didn't know i wasn't like i didn't really know how much um impact he had until like i don't know maybe it was like last year i started looking into it and it was mm -hmm. just like this is pretty cool like i'm glad that we, you know we kind of lift those people up yeah 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 i agree um final news and notes uh Philboard's back baby the 10 million guarantee massive overlay on gg that daniel uh threatened to pay any amount over the guarantee that they made <laughs> uh it overlaid has to be expected and Philboard, the one and only phil gruesome one of the OG Germans came back from retirement to win it for eight hundred thousand dollars. Wow! Mm. Sixty-four thousand runners in this thing. <laughs> Wait, what was the buy-in for that? One hundred and fifty dollars. Wow! Yeah, yeah one hundred fifty dollars. So they needed to get uh, seventy-five thousand. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Wow, they were eleven thousand players it. short. That's pretty sick. It is pretty sick. That is a, that's <laughs> a dope tournament. Thing. GG's doing some crazy things, man. I mean, they, it's good marketing. You know, they they put up uh, a solid million in guarantee there. Um, mm -hmm. Strong. I mean, you know, and, and how lucky to get a face of the game in OG like this to to be the guy who wins it to represent, uh, you know, to further promote these types of events and, and things of that nature. I think it's it's pretty strong, man. Uh, to to run an online tournament where first is 800k when we were in the pre-black friday days when everything was booming this was unheard of right. the the biggest event was like the uh poker stars sunday million anniversary which was like a quarter million to first and that might have even been a a, a 10 million guarantee they just you know they paid very uh small percentage to first Nah, that's not true okay. no, well this makes sense so <clears throat> january 16th 2023 he tweets I'm back in the game. After getting a baby and opening up the stable, I discovered I still want to play and challenge myself to new heights. Poker never lets me go, so there must be something more in it for me. So clearly the baby run good is real, mm -hmm. and now he's won his, uh, he's utilized his baby run good for the infinite ROI in a 150. So it sounds <laughs> like we all need to have some children. 
Do you, do you think he just knew? Like, oh fuck, man, I had a kid. I gotta, I gotta play like the biggest thing I could play right, right now. Yeah. yeah, obviously, right. That's how it works. <laughs> the biggest thing. The I biggest play. thing. One hundred and fifty dollar. Nah, he meant field. Right. <laughs> biggest field. Like, no, I'm yeah. joking. I'm joking. Yeah. I Anybody mean, can win a thirty man, you know, two hundred and fifty k high roller, but like, you know, who can win a sixty five thousand man <laughs> field? That is very Somebody difficult with a child. to do. Somebody. Sure. Much harder to win that tournament than it is to win any high roller there, out there. It is yeah. it is scary when these massively high variance <coughs> events are won by really good players because mm -hmm. it starts to demonstrate it how is scary, critical. Yeah. Well, it just starts to demonstrate how critical the end game is in MTTs. Well, I mean, we see it now in the main event, right? The main event, all like, is just always the, the final table is always filled with uh, really great players. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot to be said when you're playing for higher stakes <coughs> with less big blinds as a whole mm -hmm. and not making mistakes when it comes to rejamming or finding three bets or finding ways to be all in in certain spots based off of ICM or Chip EV and then playing those spots extremely well mm -hmm. and a step above competition where people might be playing some spots and not realizing that an open and one spot is actually a massive mistake based off of future implications. Mm -hmm. So getting good at ICM is definitely important and is not just for poor people. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. it's very tricky to qualify or quantify, I should say, because uh, the thing is, like, we can recognize what a mistake is, but we can't necessarily understand the impact of it because there's this, like, overlaying layer of variance right so uh a specific hand that comes to mind uh, during that 5k in florida that i got second in uh there was a spot where coleman um he either raise called off or he open jammed i can't recall i think he might have open jammed like 15 and somebody called with king queen in like a pretty big icm spot this is two tens. yeah this is like five left uh he had two tens and ended up losing the flip and uh he was talking to landon afterwards he's like that is a fucking icm torch like he's just lighting so much money on fire there and it's like well yeah he kind of is or, or i mean like according to the icm model of course he is but like half the time maybe not half the time because his range obviously isn't just tens but like some percentage of the time due to the equity of king queen as a whole uh that mistake goes unrealized and the the issue in poker is that percentage of the time that the mistake goes unrealized is actually relatively high, right? It's 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 generally going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of like thirty five to fifty percent of the time, a mistake is actually rewarded. Yeah, um, <clears throat> and also like when it is like when it goes unpunished, like when I'm not unpunished, but like when it is when that king queen does double up there, it's just like they win the tournament a lot too. Like this, they well, get... it wasn't doubling up; it was busting him. But uh, it's not that they win the tournament a lot, but you definitely ladder, you, like you, you, you now benefit from the mistake directly, yeah. right? Whereas, uh, and everybody else does as well because now someone's busted. So, like, you move up the ladder in the chip rankings. Your expectation is now to finish higher in the event than it was prior to the hand, uh, and then on top of it, you know, everybody around you has just made money as well. Yeah, that's why we really like Marley's video with uh, chucking IOUs mm -hmm. at the at the person. Yeah, I was who actually thinking about that. Lost yeah. a flip, right? <laughs> yeah. 
Like you lose a flip, you're actually winning thousands of dollars from jamming there and then getting called because the person that's losing in that high stakes environment at an FT is the one that is uh, kind of losing the most. That you get the lion's share of the benefit because your hand is worth that. But at the same time, when you lose, you are now out. So now you need some more IOUs to pay for your theoretical <laughs> rent. Uh, your very real rent. Your real rent. The IOUs don't yeah. pay for it. Theoretical dollars for real yes. rent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's facts. All right, let's get to a topic of conversation that uh, I'm confident the tortoise can speak on. Yes. Uh, we, we might even be able to unmute old Connie a little bit for this one because he's really been out in the live streets. But let's talk about bluff catching. And how to really bluff catch like a live pro. In the in the title, I said how to bluff catch like a pro. But what I meant was how to bluff catch like a live pro. Because how to bluff catch like a pro is boring. It's just knowing where the, the threshold of uh, equity lies in which you're supposed to call a bet versus fold. It's pot odds, you know? It's understanding the worth of your hand because it can either beat worse value which means you're no longer bluff catching you just have a hand of value or it only beats bluffs and you know it's effectively a zero ev hand when these things happen in a kind environment like online you just call it the frequency that you're supposed to call and fold at the frequency you're supposed to fold now obviously developing that skill set is a challenge in and of itself but once you have a knack for it it becomes quite boring in the sense that uh, your error rate is relatively low and you're just going to perform in accordance to uh, how close to equilibrium the pool performs, right? But live, live's a different animal, guys. Some people, <laughs> you some get people to look never at people bluff. Live. Yeah, that's true. That yeah. is that, I, I, I make this statement a lot, but I, I'll go on record here on the podcast to uh to say this with a bullet next to it i truly don't think that any hands in a a general live environment like a live environment that uh will have average players in it i truly don't believe that there are very many zero ev spots almost all situations where you're put into a spot to bluff catch is going to either be plus EV because you're facing someone who overbluffs, or negative EV because you're facing somebody who doesn't find the bluffs. You're just no one's uh, balanced enough. No, in these in these uh, realms, is that what you're saying? That no one's has the perfect amount of value versus bluffs. It's very hard to do. Well, of course, nobody's years. nobody's practically balanced ever anyway. But right. I think that we're so far away from approaching zero mm -hmm. that uh, it's definitive, like you know, a measurable number. It's not like, it's not like you're winning or losing 0.0001 big blinds right. in these spots. I'm saying it's like definitive, like you're mm -hmm. winning or losing like a half a blind based off of how, what their frequencies actually truly are in, in real world. Yeah. So, it's a tough thing to grasp, like wrestle with from the online environment to live in some spots where <clears throat> bluffs and bluff catching kind of go hand in hand. So when you know where the bluffs come from, it's very easy to try to assign that to opposition, especially when you hold them in a relatively high regard. But then when you're playing against opposition that don't find them, then scaling back and realizing that some hands 
perform much worse practically than theoretically in almost all situations over all nodes playing lower stakes live I think, as a default. I, uh, yeah, I think to zoom out a little bit, uh, the real reason why it becomes such a mind fuck is because there are uh, so many different dichotomies at play. When we're talking about single raise pots uh, on the flop, so like if we start to zoom in a little bit to specifics, single raise pots on the flop, the pool as a whole, in my opinion, overbluffs. They see that too much, right? Mm -hmm. Like this is a common leak. It's for sure happening in every game around America. Now, I'm not saying everybody see bets too much. There are certainly people who check way too much, but even the weakest players in the world have figured out how to see bet, right? And generally speaking, they just see bet too often for too small. Um, but if you then look at like three bet pots, I think that they are slightly under bluffing on flop, perhaps. Yeah. Right? Where I would quickly chime in. You're just in. Guapa's entire game right <laughs> I'm now. Trying <laughs> <not> to, <laughs> I'm trying not to laugh. I'm like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> well, well, where I would chime in when it comes to most situations, most people don't 3-bet enough to begin with anyways. So it's hard to have the not good hands when you don't even have them in the first place. Right. right, I agree. Right, and and they're just like very happy to check back on three three two, with ace king, ace, ace queen, queen, ace king. Yeah, hundred percent. Right, like they just don't see bet that spot enough. They they don't have range bets in three bet pots. Every single flop in a three bet pot for for the average player in the live pool splits between bet and check. Where it's we'll kind of crazy because like if you're coming from like playing online and then like you come to a live situation, you get to extrapolate this out. Like, it's insane. It kind of can just like drive you nuts because like you play, say you play online for a year with bluff catching, you know, you just very, you know, you do it by numbers. And then you just go, you go play live and you, there's just this guy that's never bluffing flop in a three bet pot. And it's like, all right, what do I do now? Mm -hmm. This puts you in some weird situations. Well, I think what also makes it weird is that, again, the actions aren't uniform. So... I can say that live pools across the board on the aggregate under bluff for sure. But mm -hmm. when you dig deeper into the data or my observational data, I would say across the board, flops and turns are bluffed appropriately or over bluffed. So your bluff catchers overperform early in the hand and get absolutely torched whenever the pot is massive and you're facing a bet on the river. Agreed. Which is really fucked for, for you as the defender because if you start overfolding one of the earlier streets in order to strengthen your range when you arrive at river, you're actually torching money mm -hmm. because your hand is greatly overperforming based off the fact that they're at or above their bluffing frequency uh, on the earlier streets, right? Like So often I see guys that I don't think are ever capable of bluffing. Guys who... When, when they have all the natural bluffs in the world, like the flush draw miss, the open ender miss, the backdoor flush draw miss, all of these things missed, and they just check down like nine high on the end. Yeah. When they can't find the natural bluff on the river, it means they don't bluff the river, right? Yeah. But when you see the hand that they check down and realize that it was like a zero equity hand on flop and turn, it was like, you know, five high 
or six high, like six five high on Ace King ten. And they just went bet bet because good cards came for them, right? Like, oh, it came Ace King 10 high, so I'm gonna bet. And then the turn is like a king. So they're like, oh, I'm gonna bet again. And then the river's like a deuce. And you know, they just shut it down and show the six high. Maybe that's not the best example because uh, you know, it wasn't like a lot of a lot of things miss for the opposition. But the whole point I'm getting at is when they miss the natural bluffs on the end, it's very unlikely that they have any, if you know, anywhere near the the correct amount of river bluffs, but they'll take their air balls and just go hard with them earlier because they have a tight image or uh, they're accustomed to people folding. This is Phil's game in a nutshell. Also, when you get to the river, like we're bluffing for stacks. Right. So so it's like that that's hurt that resonates with people. Yep. And like that and, just yeah, go on. And there's the memory of them always having it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. They always have it. They really do. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know where you're going with that. It's just every time you have ace five or deuces landing. Uh, it's the weird, it it's, well, here, here's here's like the actual thing in all honesty when it comes to the whole bluff catching bluffing this that like rocketing off chips is it works until it doesn't and then when it doesn't you kind of sometimes get buyer's remorse but at the same time you kind of have to remember where you came from pancakes you know what i mean yeah there was just a picture of you looking at pancakes like and, and now another plate is that plate is completely gone yeah, I was hungry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get to eat yet. Somebody was a little, we were running a little bit late. Well, too. also, I think I think too. It's like if you if you look at this is like the live thing, right? And and you know your player. Like if you bet twice, you narrow his range so much that they do just have it by by the time it gets to the river. Especially if you're betting like <clears throat> rather large. Man, I remember uh, one of the first things that I was told was. When people call big bets on the turn and the river doesn't change anything, so basically a static river, mm -hmm. the amount that you are likely to get called is higher by a long shot than if the board state changed. Right. Because if they didn't believe you prior, why would they believe you now? Yeah. <laughs> right? They make up their mind for mm -hmm. the river decision based off of some do. The term. Some, some, I mean, some say like, "Wow, you, he really fired the river." I guess. Do you he believe does that it. still be true, Landon? I believe it to be true when you're playing in an environment when people don't want to put themselves in tougher spots later, mm -hmm. especially for higher stakes. So call it later in MTTs as well. When it comes down to, oh, if I call here, I'm putting in X amount of chips. I only have X amount of blinds where if I call this and then have to fold on the end, I'm now left with nothing. So they kind of make that decision on the turn of, okay, if I call and the river's a blank deuce and he goes all in, I've prepared for this and I'm going to call, even though sometimes I might tank for three and a half minutes and then call it, I've prepared to allow myself to have this situation. Yeah. Because I know so many times, like just empirically through personal evidence where people will fold hands that definitely have to bluff catch the turn because they don't want to face a river jam, mm -hmm. right? Because facing the river jam is scary. And then you're left in this uh, potentially indifferent spot in theory where in practice, there's like, well, I didn't believe you then. And there's all this chips in the middle. Uh, stand taking time. Click the call button. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that 
that has not changed. Usually when we <laughs> when somebody calls the big bet on the turn, the board doesn't change. It's like they, you got the ah, like ah. All right, here. Yeah, you can. I call it. I, I call it. I call it drama call. Right? They they make up the the situation. It's like, oh my god, I can't believe you did it. I knew you were gonna go all in, and I called the turn. So because I called the turn, I call you now. And it's mm -hmm. like, well, okay. I called the turn so I can call the river. Literally, it's true. It's, it's a weird weird spot. I've heard people so, say these exact words to me. Sorry. No, of course. <laughs> like, I call the turn, so I have to call the river. It's yeah. like, no, you don't. Please don't. <laughs> Take it back. I, I have deuces, man. Please don't do this. <laughs> That's why. Uh, that was like one of my big pushbacks against geosizing whenever it was first introduced to me. It, it, it like came across of like, well, I don't think you guys understand the live state of affairs where people feel pot stuck. Mm -hmm. whenever, wow. Do you still feel uh, this way? No, no, because now I realize that um, people are scared. And even though I triple off more than anybody, and even though um, they hate to fold to me, they're still afraid of... So, like, yes, I feel this way if we're talking uh, going Geo 3 and it's third, third, third. Okay. Like, if you're trying to bluff any of those streets, you're an idiot. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you should... <laughs> If you're trying to, if if you want value, go third, 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 and if you want to bluff, just jam for pot and a half. Because like, <laughs> yeah, you know, one they're they're each gonna perform to your best benefit in that regard. But whenever you're going like geo two, where it's like three quarters, three quarters, or pot, pot, um, a lot of times they call with hands on the turn that they know they have to call with because they they're desperately expecting you to shut down, and when you don't, they think like, oh, he's laying me such a good price. And still didn't shut down. He must just have what he's saying he has. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it does come down to, you know, in the live realm, there's the psychology around the money. It still comes down to the dollar amount. Uh, I've seen situations where uh, I've I've had to like, or I thought I had to like geo three something um, in order to ensure that that final big bet dollar wise would get called. And even still, it would like yield a fold. So like when that third bet is like a hundred thousand dollars, for instance, into a pot of like two hundred. So you know you went half pot, half pot, half pot, and that final bet is a hundred k. They don't realize it's half pot anymore. There's there's some sort of mental barrier, or psychological barrier, where once the pot has reached a certain size, the percentage of the pot is no longer relevant. All that's relevant is the dollar amount. It's just a stack of flags. Um, like, can you quickly just um, explain Geo 3, Geo 2? Yeah, sure. sorry. So ge oh. geometric sizing is... Oh, uh, Lamanna, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> this is what he's waiting uh, the, for. The he's way, been waiting no, for this I mean, moment his entire life. The, the way I understand it is that you're, uh, a geometric size is you're betting the exact same percentage of the pot each street to be all in by the river. So if it's Geo 3... And and it's uh, it would be like a third. If, it depends on what the stack the stack to pot ratio is. Um, and then you would bet say bet third 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 that third that third pet our third um, percent or thirty three percent on the river would be all in. And then a geo two would just be two streets. Mm -hmm. Yep. 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 He's done it. Let's fucking go Tortua. I know a few things. Yo. Hold on, hold on. Explain this to me. So geo two means you'd be. 
it would go flop and then you're all in on the turn? It depends. Yes. It's just two streets. Either flop, turn, or turn. Yeah, just bit. whatever two streets there are. Because right, okay. sometimes yeah. in MTTs, you'll have a spot, or even in cash, where you have like a range bet for small, and then your turn size is just GO2 or check. So you're just trying to be all in by river for the same amount of proportion of pot. Okay, so just because you're, you're using geo sizing doesn't mean that it happens on the river. It can happen on the turn. Yeah, it could be flop turn or turn river if it's yeah. geo2. Literally, if it's geo3, it's flop turn river. Literally less than a year ago, one of you put like, uh, like 3E in the chat. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, what do you guys speak in this language? Yeah. Now we know. You don't know now Yeah, you know. And, to, and to be clear, like, you're not rigid to the strategy, right? So like, just because you pick a geo sizing doesn't mean that it has to go in sequence. I could pick Geo2 on the flop for like, let's say half pot where I'm setting myself up for a half pot shove. And then the turn comes in a board texture changing way where uh, maybe I want to trap or maybe I don't want to be all in, whatever, and I check, right? You you still have the option to check as an alternative size mm -hmm. uh, and you still have the option to jam the later street. Like and the, the, the strategy is just set up like it doesn't have to be sequential it's just giving you that future option right uh to ensure that the money is all funneled into the, the middle at some point and then the reason for the the strategy itself is so your opponent m maximizes what he puts in or you're just keeping the mdf like relatively the same proportionally right and it's maximize their mdf right? yeah you're you're increasing your yeah. ev uh with your overall range in that range. right what, what is mdf minimum defense frequency okay um yeah, I mean, there's going to be spots in some boards where I've seen this heads up. I've seen this uh, in six max cash, and it'll be the same. Just because when it comes to SPR, stack depth, and ranges, that's just how the game works. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't really matter which format. Where there'll be some spots where you want to play a GO2 or check, and then a turn comes, call it like a high overcard, like an ace in some spots, where now you don't want to jam anymore because it doesn't really benefit for the GO2 strat where you actually just use Geo2 again for the later two streets. So instead of choosing like the block size, if the block is 25 or 20, it might like going 20%, 20% based off a bigger flop size. So you actually use Geo2 twice, but Geo2 is different sizes where on flop, it's like pot, pot and a, a little bit, and then turn it's small because now you're just trying to represent the top end portion of your range that doesn't need protection anymore. Yeah. I we're 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 going down a rabbit hole we're here. In the weeds. <laughs> um, th this is very inside baseball. So hopefully there are people in the audience who appreciate it. But I, I want to bring it back to mm -hmm. uh, the general conversation and the general audience. Uh, so if we're in an environment where we can understand that people just don't bluff enough, and our bluff catchers then get torched through calls, what's the alternative? Don't bluff catch. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> sure, but like you still have that whole subset of hands. Right, like you still have a big collection of hands that have reasonable equity, and uh, would like to get to showdown. Hmm. Was there a question here? Yeah, what, what's the alternative to bluff catching? Uh, bluff raising. Catching. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think Raise, that that's uh, I think that that's the strategy that like prints the most. Yeah is if you're in an environment where everybody's trying to blue line to death and no one bluffs enough, then red line them to death. Yeah. I think the appropriate counter strategy is to develop exploitative rating, raising strategies. So check raise way, way more aggressively. Three bet much more aggressively. Three betting in particular because uh, I don't think people understand how much of your win rate comes from these bloated pots. 
And the big thing about live is that people respond very erratically to three bets. Like they don't follow some sort of pre-programmed chart as far as like, oh, I'm in this position and I face a three bet from that position. Therefore, this hand does X, Y, or Z. It's so much more. Right. True. (laughs) Uh, But it's so much more about the comfort of the actual hand that they possess. Right. It's like, oh, ace jack off makes me really sad because when I make a pair, I don't know what to do with it. But uh, ace deuce suited feels really nice because I can make the nut flush. And they kind of fold the stronger, call the weaker type of thing, which inherently isn't terrible. You know, if you look at uh, three bet defense, it's obviously going to lean on suited cards over non-suited. Uh, but at some point there becomes a, a a line, right? If you're if you're raised folding ace jack from like the cutoff, you're you're absolutely getting obliterated mm-hmm. by a good player's three bet range. Now you might be doing fine <laughs> yeah. against nits. Yeah, I was gonna say, um, uh, are we talking live poker? <laughs> well, well, here's the thing though, like, and this is a fight I've been having for the better part of a decade with you know guys like Chin who are a little bit uh, stickier or a little less sticky, I should say and uh want to have control like christians understood this lesson from day one don't bluff catch and if i'm not going to bluff catch then i need to have a stronger hand so that i can play a more aggressive counter strategy and raise more and i've always thought the opposite because what also comes in a in a world where people don't bluff enough is you getting to over realize through their passive lines Mm -hmm. so they if if they don't bluff enough then they don't bet enough period right which means now when I flop a bluff catcher, I don't have to actually bluff catch all that often because I don't face a bet all that often. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was never like, oh, this guy's a super nit. I'm dead with ace jack. For me, it was always like, oh, this guy's a super nit and I have 30%. When it comes to ace high, uh, I'm going to win a street, but I'm never going to lose three, right? And sometimes I'll outflop him. Like uh, one of my old rules of thumb was the easiest way to win a big pot is to take a dominated hand to the flop and just yeah. like out flop the guy you know you have ace jack versus ace king comes ace jack high it's over like you just stack uh, and uh, i'm not saying that that's a reason to play trash hands or anything along those lines <laughs> right, right but it's it's more so like uh an underlying reason to to not under defend just because somebody's tight like yesterday the accountant uh three bet queens and uh, or actually, I don't even think he three bet. I think he just opened queens. Hmm. Let me think. Sizing. No, he squeezed. That's right. It was like raised in a bunch of calls. He squeezed to like eighteen hundred from the uh, big blind, and Phil in the straddle just jammed for like eighteen thousand. <laughs> and like these are the spots where you just fucking get Helmuth because mm-hmm. he can't have enough good hands. Yeah. Like. Like you just have, he just has jacks. He just has ace queen. He just has like worse so much. And the accountant folded because of Phil's image where it's like no one else I would fold this to. And he shows him two queens and he's like, but you like, I know that you're capable of jamming aces and kings here where nobody else would. They would just four bet non all in whatever. And he mucks, right? And it's like, no, Phil's the guy that you call because he jams like, he doesn't jam appropriately. You're correct, but he also is going to overvalue certain hands because of his image. So he just has ace queen of diamonds there and was like, you know, just all in for 180 big blinds. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Um, 
never mind. There's something I wanted to say and I completely forgot now. It happens. Well, not often with Conrad. <laughs> what, the fact it's, that it's, I wanted to say something or the fact that I forgot? Uh, it's <laughs> rare. I think it's rare for you for a thought to uh, enter your brain and not make it to the mic. Like, there isn't much of a, a, of a passing through process. There. Well, yeah, there was because I didn't want to throw you off while you were saying your hand history. So I was going to say, um, this is what you were talking about. Like, this is where, like, a high part of your win rate comes from, though. Like, just out-flopping people in these type of spots also. Like, you just well, make money here. In the blue line sense, yes. Right? Like, if you're in an environment that's too passive and people don't bluff, then you, you make all of your money by out-flopping them where you have better value, right? Or, or sorry, let me rephrase. Uh, you make all of your money at showdown in scenarios where you just have outflopped them generally with a hand where pre-flop they were ahead. Mm -hmm. Because that's the nature of live poker. People don't understand the complexity of, of uh, no limit hold strategy and the moving parts and how equities will shift from pre-flop to flop to turn to river, right? They just have this fixation on, I had a really good hand before the flop. Therefore, it's still going to be a good hand post-flop, et cetera, et cetera, you know? And there tends to be this overvaluing of uh, what would fall into the good equity hand class instead of, you know, the highest equity hand class. So, yeah, at, at Showdown, when you're blue lining people, it's just going to be because you have top two versus their top pair. You have, uh, you know, bottom set versus their over pair, something along those lines, whatever. Um, but when you're... When you're talking about redlining them, what you're actually doing is forcing them into a situation where they always fold their bluff catchers, which is true mm -hmm. because they're conditioned to an environment where nobody bluffs enough either. So they always fold their bluff catchers. They always fold the hands that are breaking even. And then they also don't know what to do with a lot of the hands that are actually printing money. So what ultimately happens, and this is why Landon was talking about getting drama called on the end, uh, they don't know the 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 general hand rankings because they're not accustomed to playing against an equilibrium strategy. They're accustomed to playing against an imbalance strategy that does not have bluffs, which means now that top pair bad kicker is merely a zero EV hand that you know only value cuts somebody whenever they go for it with like an under pair yeah. or whenever they turn when they turn a non-bluff into a bluff, like they just have like third pair that they decided to blast away with. I think what happens in most environments that are relatively smaller and especially live, and I'm sure there's some social pressure. Of, you mean smaller stakes? Of having a bluff and then like feeling like they're stupid if they get bluff caught or look dumb in relation to people having eyes on them. But... What happens naturally, at least from what I've seen over the X amount of live MTTs and just cash in general, is that rangers are kind of too polarized, where people are going mm -hmm. to go for it with the top end. But the problem when it comes to rangers being too polarized and not having the bluffs, the hands that in theory are definitely still beating some value, where in a spot like Ace King in theory on a board that has like three Broadway cards might just still go for a triple where it doesn't actually end up happening in practice. These hands that do well in theory bluff catches, call it like a 
two pair, like a queen 10 on an ace queen 10 type of board don't actually function as well. And you can kind of extrapolate and feel that out in game where you kind of have these hands that you know are good, but aren't great. Where most of the time on the equity threshold, people have the great hands and your good hands don't actually function very well as the bluff catch. Mm -hmm. all, I'm hearing, the top. all I'm hearing is that Landon is a field player. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it. I mean, it really does kind of distill. Here. It distills to the good hand, bad hand game. Yeah. It really does. And then you just feel that people don't bluff enough because they don't. It's not mm -hmm. really a where feel, do we, right? Where do we get our edge then? Where do we get our edge? We get our edge yeah. by folding hands that are supposed to be bluff catches because you're supposed to call and lose. Probably yeah. This Honestly, this is what head. Christian does the best. <laughs> this uh, is how I, you I win. Truly... You win by not losing all of the money. You win because you're supposed to get stacked and you don't. Like you win because yeah, I... you're supposed to call off three streets with like second pair good side card, but you can just be like, you know what? Nah, it's, it's not worth it. I actually don't need to worry about calling here because I'm not getting exploited. I actually think Christian's world-class at this, uh, and I'm not being facetious. I think he's literally one of the best in the world at like being able to feel his way through spots and showing the patience and discipline to uh, lay down bluff catchers at the appropriate times. Uh, and I also think it's like very indicative of like who we are as people like between he and I, in the sense that I think he is a very scarcity type of mindset where um, it's not that he needs money, but it makes him feel secure. So like he's hungry to move up the stakes. He's hungry to collect all the dollars. He's hungry to uh, to ensure that that bank account stays fat, right? Where for me, and like I think that translates to being cautious with like how you spend your money and like not being wasteful, uh, not not you know punting off on first class or amenities or things like that, right? Where like for me, I have always had a very different mindset i've always been like a very uh abundance type of mindset where i'll just make more so i think <laughs> that these are two separate approaches to the same problem that can both function and like from my vantage point it's like um i'm just gonna i'm just going to try to refine that process of calling and losing to the best of my ability so like i'm going to call and lose but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna worry about pennies uh, over over pounds, so to speak, for us dollars. But you know the English phrase is pennies over pounds. Uh, so I'm not going to worry about pennies over pounds. I'm just going to understand that there's going to be an exchange there, and that's not where the bulk of my win rate is going to come from. And in turn, what I'm going to do is I'm going to steal all of those pennies from everybody else, and that's how I'm going to earn my money. That's how I'm going to ensure that uh, I can keep progressing and keep getting better. So. It's the two notions, right? There's there's two ways to uh, protect your wealth once you have some. Spend less and invest more or uh, invest more aggressively and have it pay off, right? Like out-earn your, your expenses. And I gravitate much more to the latter mindset where it's like, okay, well, I'm just going to ensure that uh, I'm playing more big pots than everybody else. I'm going to ensure that I'm bluffing more than everybody else. And then I'm going to try to rein in the bluff catching to a degree where I don't give back so many pennies that they turn into pounds. Yeah, sometimes it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. What's going on with you today, Burke? Today I am going to be... Uh, 
worrying about pennies over pounds. Yep. <laughs> I, uh, I'm going to be folding to these goddamn nits all fucking day. Everybody is so fucking tight, man. So tight. They're all so loose pre and so tight post. I mean, so you're folding really bluff catchers. Ridiculous. Uh, yeah, only <laughs> only after the flop though. Yeah, uh, I mean, good luck on catching the one in. Jack four off fucking punt today. <laughs> I, so there's a great example. Uh, I had a hand yesterday that felt very uncomfortable, but in theory is like it's not even a bluff catcher. It's literally value. Um, I get I open ace queen off with the queen of hearts. And uh, Sammy three bet me from the small blind, I think. Um, and, you know, Sammy plays wild. He, he plays a lot of hands. My hand doesn't ever four bet in theory. I maybe can four bet Sammy because he's a little bit too wide. But like, whatever. We have position. Why complicate things? Let's just go. Okay. It comes king, queen, like king, queen, three, uh, two hearts. He bets. I call. Turn is the offsuit king. So the queen is a non-heart. And I have the queen of hearts. Uh. He bets again for a weird size, like not really indicative of a king size where I'm like, okay, this is a strange size. Like if he's bluffing, this size makes a lot of sense because he doesn't want to overcommit and run into a king. Uh, if he has aces, this hand also, or this, this bet also makes a lot of sense. Uh, but I block aces and, you know, maybe they're a little bit more inclined to check. I was like, maybe he could have a worse queen. Maybe he could have a king some of the time. I don't fucking know. But uh, I know that I feel semi uncomfortable calling here because he's double barreling on a king queen high king turn board that most people in three bet pots don't do this. But this is the last point that I was going to make is that in general, three bet pots are more over bluffed that not over bluffed, but but more uh, there are more bluffing taking place because there's so few hands to to pull from the bottom that. People just find bets, right? Um, and in cigarettes pots, the pot's small, so they just give up early. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, he, he he fires again, and I was like, okay, like I, I I mean, I just have to have a call here. Like, there's no way I can fold. He could just have worse. So I call. The river's like the seven of hearts, and he bets full pot. And I was like, all right, I don't know what the fuck's going on here. I don't know. Maybe it's king queen. <laughs> like, that's uh, a bad card for him. I would have expected him to check, and instead he's like full potting, and that just dawned on me. He's like, oh, he had a flush draw. He just had a flush draw and he got there. Like that's it's it's literally that easy. Mm -hmm. uh, and I fold, and he shows Jack four of hearts. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> it's like that's the process that I'm talking about. Is like where you're investing a lot of money early with these bluff catchers, and then ultimately have to arrive at a fold the times that they either improve or they had it all along. And there's really no getting around it because folding earlier in the hand here is just an absolute fucking torch. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's just you know, one of the worst things that you could ever do, I think, but also landing on river and recognizing like, Oh, well I have the queen of hearts. Like this hand is for sure uh, a mix between probably call and maybe, maybe all three options, maybe call fold and raise. I don't know. Um, but it's certainly not like pure folding or anything along those lines. In practice, you just have a pure fold, man. Yeah. In practice, like if this guy shows you ace jack with the ace of hearts, like God fucking bless. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's just not there, but it's there on the flop and turn is the thing. Yeah, it's or kind at of... least at least on the flop. Live you know, poker in a nutshell. Fold, yeah, great fold. Fucking pat myself on the back. That was really goddamn tough. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like I think I think in a lot of 
I think in a lot of scenarios, like Christian would find a fold with hand classes of that type on the turn there. Um, maybe even sometimes pre because he doesn't want to be into that awkward turn spot. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I'm not trying to undermine him when I say this. I, I truly think that he's world class at knowing exactly where the threshold is with hands that he should continue and hands he shouldn't. Um, but I think that like there are certain characters that can potentially uh, fuck with that calibration, right? Like Hicks is a great example. Eric Hicks seems like a madman, but go back and watch his hands. He just has fucking really good hands the whole stream. He plays good poker, man. I mean, not good poker, but you know, he plays good poker. <laughs> he plays very aggressive. He plays very aggressively. Like when he's dealt a good distribution of hands, he plays them very well. He doesn't take any hands off. You know, he doesn't like just look at sixes and say like, oh, I'm going to call this time. Now, fuck it. We ball. (laughs) And it really does cause a big problem for the environment because uh, now they're forced to do what's uncomfortable, which is bluff catch multiple streets. Yep. Straight up disruptor. He is. I'm going to model my game after this, man. Good luck. Do it. By model my game after him, I mean, I'm just going to beg for the hand distribution that he's been getting lately. Please, just Bert, run all the money. How did you start winning on, on stream? Well, you know, ever since Madman Eric Kicks came into town, I started watching him play, and it's really, really <laughs> done something wonders for me. Yeah, I just realized if you get dealt ace-king a lot more than everybody else, you win a whole bunch of fucking money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true. It's crazy. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Um... You guys have anything else to say about bluff catching in the live arena? I mean, we could we could talk about my king queen hand, Guapa. What do you think? I'd like to know what your uh, what these your, wizards think. What the flop size was supposed to be? Yeah. Or sorry, the turn was it the turn? Turn, yeah. yeah. Uh, this is this is. I mean, I did land with like with a bluff catcher, but it is on the turn, um, and it is online. But <laughs> it was an interesting hand. So uh, fold to the small blind. I'm in the big. Uh, with king queen of clubs and small blind uh, makes it three I'm playing 100 NL uh, three, 135 effective uh, he makes it three I three bet to nine um, he makes it 25 I call um, already not tortoise approved but it's, <laughs> but it's correct so <laughs> uh, flop is king jack three two spades uh, King Jack of Clubs, or I'm sorry, I have King Queen of Clubs. He bets 18 into 50. Um, I guess I have options here. I just call. Okay, I, that's I, what I said. Right. So yeah. I, I think it's just call. I, I in my mind, I mean, my options are call or shove. Essentially, no, no, no. no you um, only have one. I'm not, it's I'm just not, it's just call. I'm not right? saying. I'm not just saying call. that. I have options as in both are correct. I'm saying I, I, I physically can do that. <laughs> okay, well, you can also right, fold. I can fold like, too, right? That's yes. not on the table, so what right. are we talking about here? Right, okay, okay. <laughs> so I, I call. Uh, turn is the seven of spades, putting three spades on the board. And he jams 94 into 84. Oh, it's I can't close. wait to see. What is this, Landon? It's fold. It's not close. Is it? Wow. Okay, so yeah, so, I, I, so I'm, I'm tanking, I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, well, how, how like, what, what, is, what is his equity, what is my equity, was a pot laying me, and like, this is, this is the difficulty of poker, right? And I think that like, oh, maybe he has enough, um, like, ace-queen and ace-jack with just the ace of spades, 
that I can call here. Um, maybe some ace. I mean, is this yeah, three bet pot or four bet pot? Sorry, it's, it's a four. It's a, it's a, it's a called a four bet. Yeah, it yeah, went four it, bet pot. Four bet pot. You're just at bottom. Yeah. So you're folding, Matt. Yeah, I mean, honestly, you may you may rather have like queens with a spade. I mean, the thing is, is that like what's irrelevant here is the flush, right? Uh, it's a four bet pot, so nobody really has flushes. But the problem is, is that you're so dominated when it comes to pairs that you having king queen is about as good as you having king deuce. Yeah. So your your kicker is pretty right. irrelevant here. Right. Yes. Um, you know, I mean, he's gonna have I block some king. Some king I block some ace kings, right? Um, yeah, but like he's even gonna have like, uh, I mean, I guess you block one combo of it, but he's even gonna have like some king jack suited, yeah, in his four bet range. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he'll have ace king, he'll have aces. You block queens, which is really bad. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I think Landon's right. He just doesn't have enough bluffs here. He's not gonna yeah. have ace jack off. So you're not gonna see ace jack with the ace of spades. No, probably not, huh? No. Um, so I end up calling and he has the ace jack with the ace of spades. <laughs> <laughs> God, I love poker. Uh, is so, that actually yeah, true? I was like, I, I thought about like, it's funny because Bob said the same true? thing. Bob was like, had? he never does it yeah. with ace jack with the ace of spades. <laughs> I fucking love poker so much. Well, and so he, well, so I mean, I found to be fair, that, mm -hmm. to be fair, uh, it's, it's not that he never does that. When he has ace jack with the ace of spades post flop, he for sure does that on the turn. I'm right. saying that like he just shouldn't have that in a four bet pot. Well, he there. should. Ace Jack, Ace Jack, uh, Ace Jack off is a, is a four bet there. Blind versus blind. Wait, was... yeah, oh, blind versus blind. Yeah, sorry, small I blind, the big blind. My apologies, my bad. Yeah, it's blind versus uh, blind. Okay, then yeah, yeah, okay. Now saw, you're not, I, you're not as far down in your in your hand ranking as I. My right. bad, I, I wasn't listening to the formation. I still don't know. Landon still says four. Yeah, I don't still don't know if calling's a thing, but yeah, we're just yeah, calling I said it was a fold as well. Just have a spade, have more equity just in case. Block yeah. the flushes if he has the one spade hand. But I don't think his range wants to play like this at all when he has jams on the turn because all of his flushes that he does have don't want to do this. Mm -hmm. And then all of his hands with the spade don't want to do this either because he wants you to be indifferent if you just have like red jacks. Right. Right. Where now if you, or it's not red jacks, but or, red, no. yeah. what, red whatever red the not pair and, is, or you have yeah. ace jack, or yeah, yeah. you have ace jack suited and he does this. It's like, oh, okay, cool. Like, mm -hmm. good job. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. But, I, I, I I'm on I'm on your side, Lamana. So this is like the difference between uh, Christian and I as well. So like Landon trends a little bit towards Christian side of things. I'm on your side though, like where he just should be playing zero jams. Like he actually should be geo twoing on that card a lot if he's gonna bet. Mm -hmm. Um, when he should be playing no jams and he jams. Like I just trust that they're gonna find enough naked spades. That's what I thought. That's exactly what I thought. Yeah. I thought the formation was very different where he was like like a lot tighter. No. Right. Right. I would just have King Queen yeah. the spade and call, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> a, he, he hit the spade. Obviously. Seems like a fine line, <laughs> but that's here and over there. Well, glad you got fucked. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, you try to you try to uh, try not to be such a tortoise, and then uh, and then they just you just find that one hand that they have that you beat, and then they get there. Well, that's yeah. kind of the issue, right? Like that's why that's why it comes, it's a fold because it's the one handed. Well, beat, yeah. it's, but it's very, not the one hand. It's but a very it's rare. Situation to have the one spade combos as is, and mm -hmm. even if you are right that they have it, they still have a ton of equity. 
which they still get to win, where with you have a spade, you block it yourself, and it's more likely you're going to win anyways. And it's a bigger pot as is 135 effective than 100 or 50 or yeah. whatever. Right, right. right. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to attempt to not get fucked. I'm going to attempt to not get fucked today myself. Uh, thank you. Thank you much, Blige. I got onto a hot start yesterday. I was up almost 40,000 and uh, ran and into a couple of shit spots. Yeah. yeah, I bluffed once where it should have worked. Uh, <laughs> I had 10 7 of clubs where I big bet the turn, got called in two spots on like, uh, it was king, king 8 6, uh, two clubs, and it checked through. Turn was an ace. I big bet, got called by the big blind and the original razor, which was Sammy on the button. And then the river was an offsuit seven. And it's like, okay, well, exactly nobody has nine ten because I have the ten of clubs. And who the fuck would peel for pot on the turn with a gut shot and no clubs? Nobody, of course. <laughs> so I bet pot and the accountant had fucking ten nine offsuit mm -hmm. and just like beat me in the bottom. <laughs> like, okay, well, that's 10K I'm never getting back. Fuck no. me. Yeah. Uh this is I why saw, that was like one of the few hands that I actually I watched yesterday. I was just like, oh god. And they, yeah, they, this is why it does not pay to bluff no. ever. Yeah. Or to think ever. <laughs> Don't think. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, whatever. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it swinging, man. Uh, I'm not going to tighten up today. Like, eventually they'll, they'll not have it. Let's fucking That's go. Right. Let's get it. Let's win 100, 100 racks today. What do you play? 100, 200? I don't know, man. We played 50, 100 yesterday. Uh, I'm guessing it's going to be a similar lineup today with Robbie in and Masato and a couple other guys out. All right, get the straddles um, going. But yeah, you're going to have to work in those straddles. We'll see. Maybe 100, 200 tomorrow. I think Jungle Man's coming back tomorrow, so we'll see. Jesus Christ. Is that the worst Macho Man Randy Savage impersonation you've ever seen in your entire life? I didn't see it. All I saw was Hunt's tweets telling me about how bad it was, and if Hunt says it's bad, it's got to be bad, right? It was bad. <laughs> it was bad. It was so bad that like I don't think I do a good Macho Man, but I couldn't take it to the point where he lost the big pot versus Hicks, and then I trolled him in Macho Man's voice. <laughs> Did he it's knock like, over your chips? No. Then he tried to like re Macho Man me back, but just sounded like somebody who was struggling to string together words like, "Oh, Berkey, <laughs> you, you've been losing." Comparatively speaking. <laughs> Comparatively speaking. Bingo. Well, that's yeah. going to do it for us here, brother. The Macho Man Dan is going to be in action again tomorrow. We're going to head out of here down to Live at the Bike 5100 with Robbie J. Lou and the Jack Four suited. Uh, it's going to be good. a play today. So I'm going to go try to cash a check. Please we'll do. see you guys all tomorrow, 11 a.m. Uh, I'm going to see if I can maybe do the podcast from uh, from the actual live at the bike studio we'll That'd see be great Burke. Talk to Burke. yep yep unless the bounty is big don't do it i'm out i'm fucking <laughs> out don't worry we had the seven deuce bounty on yesterday nobody won with it i didn't even attempt it. <laughs> i just mugged. just don't do it just make them do fucking something abnormal like i don't know 5k person yeah you just or catch, just don't do it you just catch the punt that's all, all right. yeah brother just punt, <laughs> brother well Good luck. To all me, right, Mike. all you little Hulkamaniacs, say your prayers, eat your vitamins. We're out. Later. <laughs>